0: podcast where we dive into the ups and downs of the human experience and I insert yogic philosophy and mindfulness to better understand what is going on in our mind when we experience these ups and downs. I'm your host, Michelle Anthony, yoga teacher and educator as well as amateur circus performer. Let's dive into this week's episode. guest Molly Richard she is the owner of slender financial wellness and this episode I have been thinking about having her on for a while and following her on Instagram since we connected. Gosh, it was several years ago now. And I've only met her once in person, but spoke to her weekly for years. And she has always been such an inspiration as a person who really embodies this kind of spiritual understanding of law of attraction while simultaneously embodying this sense of organization and specifically when it comes to finances she has been an inspiration in making budgeting which is a word that we talk about in the episode a little bit more accessible or in a way that we can understand it psychologically and how we make certain decisions, why we make certain decisions, and how we can strengthen the part of our brain that helps us plan for the future. I share in this episode about some of my experiences with money growing up and how that has shaped my money story now. And what I'm doing to kind of rework and reframe that understanding of my own money story to create more abundance in my life in this moment. Molly has so many tidbits of information in this episode. I'm just so grateful that um, she took the time out of her workday to connect with us and just share all of this wisdom that she's collected from her trainings in financial psychology so let's get into this week's episode with molly richard Today, I have a very special guest, Molly, from Splendor Financial Wellness. Hello, Molly. Hey, Michelle. It just occurred to me that I don't really know your last name. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my last name
1: is Richard, which is a Cajun French way of pronouncing Richard.
0: (laughs) Okay, and you live down in Louisiana, correct? I do, yes. Okay, so how Molly and I met was in an online women's circle, and I just really resonated with her energy um, of just being what I would consider and... You can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but like a type A person that I really resonate on a spiritual level with. And you really have a a wide grasp of understanding um, of the laws of the universe. And also you're very organized and clear and focused. And it's just something that I was really drawn to because I see a lot of one or the other. And you have such a really beautiful like flow of those two energies yeah thank you
1: yeah I think that's uh a a good a good description (laughs) so definitely have some organization but also some flexibility as well but yeah thank you
0: yeah. Um so why don't you just tell me a little bit about your journey to starting this business, Splendor Financial Wellness, and explain a little bit about what it is that you do with that business? Yeah, sure. So, um
1: Splendor Financial Wellness is a business that I created to help people cultivate a clear and resilient and expansive relationship with money. Um, There are so many different ways in society that we're spoken to about money that um, can feel really disconnected for people. Um, And there's also just even, even with the ways that people are presented with the ideas of money through media or just through, you know, whatever, talking about financial advising or anything like that. Um, we don't have a lot of way, of spaces in society to talk about all the feelings and emotions and fears and doubts or desires that go along with money. And we don't have a lot of opportunities to talk about it in terms of a relationship in our life, um, which it is. Just like we have a relationship with our food or our space or our stuff or the people in our lives, we have a relationship with money. We have to interact with it every single day. And that can feel really balanced or can feel really imbalanced. Um, But if we treat it like a relationship and we um, work towards it being the scenario that we want it to be for ourselves, then money can can look different for all of us and we can have a little bit of say in how we design that relationship. Um, But yeah, so I got started formally about a year ago, last January, but leading up to me starting um, Splendor Financial Wellness as a business. I was just helping people set up systems to track their income and expenses, um, which is different than a budget. It's not you know telling you what you can and can't spend on any particular item in a month, but it was more about helping people gain some clarity about what their financial day in and day out was looking like as far as you know where where is my money going, where is it coming from, and can I develop a system to track it so that I feel in control of it? um so yeah that's how it all started I was helping friends and family and then they started giving my name to friends and family members of theirs and soon enough I was like sitting with strangers talking about their money and started to realize it was a way more emotional and energetic topic than just math um So I got curious about it. I started taking classes in financial psychology, which is a field that exists. Um, And here I am.
0: That is so amazing. And I love that you say that because it is something that is maybe mainstream society is a very masculine process, like you said, of the budget and the income and expenses and where is my money going to go. And this really embodies the... Um, masculine and feminine you have to know where your money is is going and how much you're bringing in but there's so much more to that and I love that you embody that element of the psychology of it we and this is something that I a quote that I recently heard is our our mind is not a logical mind it's a feeling mind and so Mm -hmm. working with the feelings that we have around money can change the way that our mind reacts to situations when we are spending or attracting taking in allowing money right
1: exactly I think um you brought up a good point of like we have a lot of language to talk about money that is like a lot of masculine language like earn and make and um and sometimes the feminine language that gets used around money is more like and it's just like not really fun. <laughs> like budget. Um, but there is sort of like just like in every other area of life, whenever there's a balance between those two energies, um, good things start to happen and there's an alignment that kind of kicks in. And um just you know, the word currency is such a great word because um it's a it's a word that is energetic in nature, but it's also a word that we use to describe money and I think um just like with any any form of energy there has to be the yin and the yang the masculine the feminine the positive the negative giving and receiving for it to be well and healthy and balanced and so taking that same concept and applying it to our finances for a lot of people is just a new idea um, but the same rules apply and um, that all starts with mindfulness and being aware of okay, well, what energies am I applying to this area of my life right now and what can I do to balance those out, to participate in receiving just as much as I'm participating in giving or vice versa.
0: I love that and that's very much yoga is just increasing your awareness of your relationship with either yourself or yourself in regards to money and it's something Mm -hmm. that I personally have felt this... um, I guess been turned off by a lot of the financial information that has been handed to me. Um, And personally, I've done a lot of inner work of, you know, childhood and where do these beliefs come from and my money story and a lot of those things. But a lot of the um, content out there typically is reaching out to people in a very masculine way. And in a lot of ways, I've kind of just shut that out. And what I mean by that is um, as somebody who has probably zero dependable income, Meaning, yes, I have regular clients, but maybe I'm sick. Maybe they're sick on the day that it it is um, to bring in the money. Or um, maybe they decide to move on to group classes after private training. So there's a lot of ways in which my income is completely dependent on other people. Um, And yeah, there's definitely the element that I want to get into in a minute about the manifestation. But it never, all of the um, financial content and information out there that was, you know, meant to teach, I felt like it almost didn't apply to me. Like, I couldn't really figure out how that I could integrate that into my own life.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, your situation that you just described, and like a lot of people who are in the healing arts or visual arts, um, there is an element of variability that just goes along with what your income looks like. And, um, but there are definitely ways to be, you know, still financially resilient to be fully aware that that's your financial reality. Your income is going to look different every month. Um, but to be aware of the things that won't look different, the things that you can for the most part count on and then grow from there, you know, where, um, at least in the area of expenses, it's like, okay, I know my rent is going to be this this much. I know my phone bill is going to be this much. Like, let's get down the non-negotiables and then like be creative with everything else, um, income and expenses. So I think uh, there's also a lot of language around money that is just so restrictive and all about budgeting and saving and cutting back and like being, you know, create, using your creative energy to be um, thrifty and I think that there's a lot of beauty in that but I also think there's so much beauty in taking that same creative energy and instead of spending it on you know constricting like finding ways to spend that creative energy on expanding where money comes from for you um, so I think that's another like a conversation shift that is starting to happen hopefully more and more about Uh, especially for women and especially for people in visual and healing arts is um, okay let's talk about where else money can come from and like think a little bit less limiting about um, finances in that way instead of like only leaning to the other side of that extreme which is like what else can I cut back on
0: Yeah, I definitely, uh, I I resonate with all the things you're saying. And it's something personally that I have maybe this back and forth and internal struggle with of, you know, the old paradigm is you work a nine to five, you have a retirement fund, and then you do fun things at the end of your life the money you've saved and my personal belief is I would rather live the life that I want to live now instead of um, saving and not doing anything and potentially in the future you know should I be so lucky to continue my life into that age where I would have an appropriate amount of money to celebrate the hard work I've done that you know it just doesn't seem Like a way of life, and I really love how you're talking about this as a relationship and a way of life, and kind of like definitely embodying some of those qualities of, um, like I love the term financial resilience versus like budget and the and that all those terms that have a sense of like constriction and almost. Uh, And if I'm being honest, like resentment. And in a lot of ways, that's how I was raised and taught. And it just has never felt right with me. Um, And yet, it's something that I need more of in my life as I, you know, aim to live this life where I'm happy and I can travel and do fun things and eat beautiful, healthy, organic meals. And it's just finding that sense of balance and, and definitely as an entrepreneur and a female entrepreneur and, uh, also a new mom, there's so many elements to this and having on top of being a new mom, having three stepkids and a whole family to take care of. It seems like, you know, I don't want to be in the state of lack, which is what the budget feels like. Does that does mm-hmm. that make any sense? What would you have to say to somebody like me who has like money in, money out, like we got it. Let's let's celebrate and get a really nice meal because we have money. <laughs> you know, like what do you have to say to people like me cuz I know that I'm not alone? Yeah.
1: And I think there's like a few different things that um come to mind. Um so one thing to know is that first of all, like our brains are not designed to know how to handle money. So anyone who feels like shame or guilt or like clueless about finances should shake it off because like, we're not designed for this. There's no other animal that has to like plan to pay rent next month, (laughs) like at all. So I kind of, I love to describe it in terms of like our three brains in one, we have like our reptile brain that, is just trying to survive so it's like fight or flight mode a lot of people operate in this part of their brain when talking about money um because it seems like a stressful topic or it seems like something or maybe they you know grew up in a household where money was a really stressful topic or they experienced a really stressful um life event that involved money and so it kind of like the idea of money will automatically kick some people into fight or flight mode where they think their life is at risk they'll fight slight sight or freeze and make decisions about money in that headspace um then we also have like a slightly more developed mammal part of our brain that its primary goal is to be comfortable and to um you know get out of any discomfort so a lot of times um this might look like the retail therapy like oh I had a bad day let me figure out how to get out of discomfort and I'm going to use money to do that a lot of people will operate in this part of their brains about money and it's mostly it's a little bit less it's less stressful than operating in your reptile part of your brain but it's still pretty short term it is like let me be comfortable now let me take care of myself today maybe tomorrow and cover these these needs now um Our neocortex, which is, like, mostly developed in humans, has the capacity to think long-term. And this is where we're different than a lot of other animals on this planet Um, because we do have the ability to think long-term. And that part of our brain that is able to do that and plan out is not instinctual. We have to learn it, and we have to practice it, and we have to build up its abilities. Um, It is not the part of our brain that keeps us from like being eaten by a tiger or that keeps us like comfortable and finding a place to sleep and food to eat today. It is like a part of our brain that is like, okay, those, those needs are taken care of what's beyond that. Um, The other cool part of this, the other cool thing that's, uh, the other cool part about this part of our brain is that it has the ability to have very complex, like sensory emotions um so one thing I always tell people especially people who ask the question similar to what you said of like if I have it today I'm going to enjoy it today and you know future Michelle can figure out future Michelle um (laughs) is like it can be really fun to daydream about what is life going to look like when I'm 60 70 or 80 like what is the life that I want then and what can current michelle do for future michelle right now to start making that life possible um i know the word retirement is like a trigger word for some people where that is like this word that is basically like that's whenever i stop doing the work i love um so even reframing that word to like future michelle's life <laughs> um is just a different way to think about some of these money topics that have seemed like i just don't even want to think about retirement but like getting really juicy and daydreaming about like what you're going to be doing when you're 65 or 70 and how you want that to be can be really motivating to be like, actually, let me start putting a little bit of money aside for future future Michelle to enjoy. Um, There's this. quote. Dr. Brad Klontz has a really good quote. I'm not going to say it verbatim, but he was being interviewed by someone who was like, well, I have it today. Why not spend it today? You know, a similar idea. And, um, the person was like, you know, you only live once. I could be hit by a car tomorrow. And Dr. Klontz was like, yeah, then great. You'd be right. Um, if you get hit by a car tomorrow, that would be true. And it was like the only scenario in which like you only live once really works with money is like, if you do get hit by a car tomorrow, (laughs) So he just made that comment to point out like that is totally one way to think about it. Um, But there's this other way to think about it that is like, or your future life can be so dreamy and juicy and you can start making it that way right now. Like you can manifest that for yourself right now by starting to um, think about the financial part of that part of your life too. So those are just a couple of things that came to mind. I know it's like everyone goes at their own pace and, figuring that out obviously like that's not always as available to people whenever they're raising three kids four kids and like you know money coming in and money going out is sometimes so real at certain parts of life and then there's sometimes moments in life where it's like wait I have a little wiggle room let me think about my current needs are they taken care of now let me think about my future self needs can I start taking care of those now what a like compassionate thing to do for my future self you know
0: absolutely and i love so much of what you just said and I definitely would love to ask you what are your, you know, main tips for starting to you know, enhance our working with the neocortex with this planning and complex sensory emotions is you know, what are your top tips for strengthening essentially this muscle of being able to think about future self. And I love that distinction you made of it's not my retirement. It's like, this is my future self that I want to live this certain life. And then, um I also would love to talk about and now I think that this definitely has something to do with in a way like is it spiritual bypassing is it physical bypassing I don't know but this um idea of not planning for the future and manifestation going hand in hand like it's okay because I'm going to manifest this like massive thing sh- soon or I'm going to call this massive wealth and abundance into my life and so you know I'm not going to save now because there's going to be more coming in later can you speak to a little bit of maybe the, like I don't know if I would call it spiritual bypassing but this kind of way of not starting to strengthen the neocortex in this way of just like trying to manifest more.
1: Yeah, so I think it's really interesting um, how um, so financial psychology, talking about that neocortex, the thing that can dream big dreams for the future and have kind of a future timeline related to it, um, and the law of attraction sort of say a lot of the same things. Um, and the law of attraction, you know, that involves, setting your intention and manifesting it, doing some deep visioning around what it is you really desire, getting to the heart of like, what do I desire? What do I want? And then kind of releasing and like letting, just being open to it, taking the active steps you need to take to make it available to you, but also mostly just relaxing and opening up and receiving it um, is very similar to the, type of like tips i would offer to someone who's like how do i strengthen this neocortex part of my brain um it's deep visioning it is like really embodying what it is that you want for your future self and like letting yourself feel the feelings of the life that you want for your future self and identifying like what does it look like where am i who am i with what am i doing um what is all of this going to cost how can I like be open to feeling comfortable with the cost of the lifestyle that I really want for myself? Um, Cause a lot of us do actually have a lot of resistance to receiving money, whether we're, whether it's subconscious or, or whether we're totally aware of it, there's like this unease with receiving it. There's this unease of raising our prices or feeling comfortable asking for a raise or, um, you know, whatever it is, a lot of us subconsciously like, push money away <laughs> but if um if we're developing those like mental habits of like letting ourselves imagine ourselves having the lives that we want we're doing a similar thing we're like releasing the understanding every little step of how to get there we're opening ourselves up to the opportunities to receive pieces or all of this life that we are envisioning for ourselves which is you know the way that it works on a psychological level is when you have this big vision, your behaviors start to align themselves with that big vision. You have a big yes that makes it easy to say no to the things that aren't really big yeses for you, that are maybe little yeses for you, um, because you have this overpowering big yes that you have in mind now. You know what you want in your life, and so it makes it that much easier to be like, yeah, today was not a comfortable day, but... The idea of going and, like, doing some retail therapy um, to ease that that discomfort is just, like, when it's compared to the future life that you've mapped out for yourself is just less appealing. It's like, okay, what am I going to do? Just have another pair of shoes every uncomfortable day that I have? Or, like, can I really lean into knowing that, like, this other life for myself is coming and, like, you'll let that be what brings me ease and comfort um, in uncomfortable moments. Yes. So it's interesting how like the laws of attraction and financial psychology are essentially asking you to do the same thing, like embody what you really, really, truly desire and let that rise to the surface. And it sort of ends up overshadowing a lot of the little things that ultimately don't actually matter to you, um, but are just like easy, short-term, quick gratification. Types
0: of behaviors. Absolutely, it's a practice, and that makes a lot of sense to me. Is like the practice of manifestation is the same as practicing sitting with the with the discomfort and maybe choosing your big yes over your little yes, or the Mm -hmm. distraction over your desires, and being able to kind of have the willpower to know. What is actually in your best interests instead of just kind of flowing along with what feels feels good in this moment, and it truly is a yogic practice of of inquiry and sitting with it without judging yourself for wanting what you want in the moment and for maybe having slip ups and knowing that you can do better next time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love what you said about choosing your desire over your distraction. I really
0: love that. So I definitely want to cover a little bit about taboo and shame. This is Mm -hmm. something in my own personal money story that – you know, for a long time I've had an awareness of, and I just keep getting into deeper and deeper layers of ways that I have subconsciously associated money with negative things or negative outcomes or negative personality traits based on my parental programming. And it's something that. You know, I have more and more awareness of and ways that it shows up in my life and ways that I am essentially sitting with a sense of fear that I'm going to turn out a certain way if I have a lot of money and in that way I subconsciously reject it. And I love that you brought up that, you know, a lot of this deep imaginings and and the the envisioning that that happens to be something that is going to help shift that. But I would love to Mm. talk about, you know, like we don't share this enough, especially in the healing community and especially as a perceived leader. It's something that and I think this goes back to our our primal brain of not wanting to be seen as weak and therefore not accepted in the community. And that rejection would mean death. And so Mm -hmm. it's something that like as a leader in the community to be able to admit that, yes, I have this like struggle with money in money out um, and being able to to talk about the places where, you know, we have shame about money. Like, yeah, I've been struggling for years or, you know, and being able to connect with people authentically um, instead of pretending that we are the masters of it, which I think I just see so much of and it is really frustrating because it eliminates this space for real, um, vulnerable and authentic connection and then personal growth.
1: Yes. You're so spot on. Like it is such a big taboo. Um, and so everybody's walking around feeling like they're the only person feeling these things about money and um the reality is like everyone is we just aren't talking about it. <laughs> um and I can feel really lonely. Um and then you're right, wherever there's, you know, feelings of secrecy, there's feelings of shame and um and this goes for people in all level like at all levels of income there's like a shame about having too much money there's a shame about not making enough money there's like shame and guilt and icky feelings all the way around and um and the fact that we don't really have a way to talk about it with other people or it's like feels inappropriate just makes it seem even dirtier to like bring it up and um talk about it but we're all dealing with it it's like a part of every single person's life and so feeling yucky and gross you're not alone but you also don't have to stay there for sure um i think like with of course and then like with anything else the shame just builds on itself whenever you're like oh i made that silly financial mistake and then you just kind of like can spiral down so definitely some of the work that I help people do is like move beyond that part like for practicing a lot of self-compassion in this area of life knowing that like yeah you might slip up every now and then but it's okay just like get back up try again like remember your deep vision remember the life that you want for yourself and like just keep working at it um I think and like you brought up such a good point about there being this like Primal level of it, and it's so true. I think, like, we, I, one of my experiences in figuring out that this is like what I wanted to do um, was whenever I was working for a nonprofit that helped house people who are experiencing homelessness. So I was working with people who are street level homeless and helping them budget to pay rent, some of them for the very first time. And whenever you're street-level homeless, you are operating so much in your reptilian brain. Like, it, there's so much about being on the street that is survival. And so you're um, making very quick decisions all the time that have to do with your safety. And um, so the same thing with money. It's like, if, if anyone who was um, living on the street got money the first thing that they wanted to do was like, take care of the tribe. It was a tribal mentality of like, okay, if I made 50 bucks today, working a job, I'm going to buy everyone lunch. It was like very much a tribal decision of what to do with money, which is, was a way to stay safe. It was like a way to keep building, um, you know, alliances, I guess, which sounds wild, but like we do it all the time. And It was a huge shift for someone to be able to make $50 that day and instead of treating everyone to lunch and enjoying it um, right now, sort of the YOLO um, way of going about it, it was a huge shift to save it for rent for several weeks from now. Um, Because that part of our brain that wants to, like, belong to what's happening around us, and, um, you know, take care of what's happening right now and feel good right now um, is the part of our brain that, like, kicks in in those situations a lot, but um, watching people be able to make that shift was so inspiring, but also very hard. It was, like, people felt really selfish saving money for their rent where they will live in an apartment um, a month from now whenever they could be treating everyone around them to a lunch right now Um, and so you know there's like even shame and guilt there for someone who is trying to figure out how to pay rent for the first time Um, and so it can be really uncomfortable and it can be a really isolating experience for some people to break their habits around money and to think about their future self whether that means their future self for next month's rent or whether that means their future self for 30 years from now whenever they don't want to be working anymore maybe Um, but so diving into that it's like understanding okay well what are my motives like what what is taking care of myself and what is taking care of other people and which one comes first and what do I feel good about? Are there other ways I could help other people um, while still taking care of my financial reality? All of these things come up and all of them are incredibly emotional. They are like very behavioral and not so much about, um, you know, knowing how to invest or anything like that. There's like another level happening that takes a lot of self-awareness and a lot of self-compassion and a lot of, truth and honesty um and sometimes it takes like leaving the tribe like you mentioned to like be able to stand on your own two feet and financially take care of yourself um and hopefully get back to a place where you can give back from a place of like I have what I need and I have an abundance and so I can share it instead of like we're all in lack right now you know I don't know if that makes sense
0: Absolutely makes sense. And I, it's so interesting. I'm in no way have I been close to street homelessness, but a lot of what you're saying about the way money was handled, it really hits close to home in a way that almost feels really emotional for me. And it just has been making me think a lot about, you know the way that I grew up really wealthy and just had a sense of resentment for the way that money was handled and I even remember saying like gosh when I grow up I just want to live in a trailer home (laughs) (laughs) and having, having those like really interesting perspective shifts of like if this is what wealthy feels like, then I don't want it. Um, And and so it just like had a lot of that. And then like cut to not very long ago, living without electricity for two months with my family. Um, This was before I had the baby, but I just remember that moment of just like, wow, I have money. And it feels like I need that money to like lift our spirits to be able to like buy a really nice meal which we cooked on a camp stove in the kitchen um and this was like two months and every day the kids get home and there's the shame of like oh is electricity on today and it's like no (laughs) stop asking because you're making me feel worse about this and we're doing the best that we can you know and just feeling like yeah that like tribal like oh there's money like I want to make us feel good um was mm-hmm. the piece of that versus like, okay, if we like keep saving, it's gonna take us <laughs> seven more months to put turn our electricity back on um, mm-hmm. and so that was just like a really um interesting introspection that i introspection that I had when you were speaking of street homelessness and just like the mentality, and how wow, like I definitely uh, see that mentality within myself of not taking that and like putting it for the future but just like oh let's take care of ourselves in this moment
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's real and it's like our instincts tell us that's what we should do and sometimes there's um you know other realities at play that again like it's not instinctual we have to learn them and um and there's always going to be opportunities to give in the future but um, you know not taking care of yourself is um, just like with anything else in life like if you, you can't take care of everyone before you take care of yourself you'll burn yourself out but if you can take care of yourself you're opening up your capacity to take care of others too and it's just like learning that switch can feel so selfish even in you know in other areas of life too it's like whenever you're not emotionally taking care of yourself while you're emotionally taking care of everyone else it can feel selfish to be like you know what no i need to take a day for myself but you're that much better prepared to like care for someone once once you've cared for yourself finances is the same way i wanted to comment too you mentioned something um just about like growing up and having feelings that like having money is you're associated a lot of negativity towards it I want to like totally acknowledge how how valid that is and how people experience that so much and one big shift that a lot of people have to make to start you know living the life that they want to live and having their finances support them in that is identifying those types of belief systems at play and challenging them because the reality is like you maybe have been exposed to people who were people that you didn't respect or feel were very good people. And those people also had money, but there are also people in the world who have a lot of money, who do incredible philanthropic work and who are like generally good people. And um, so it's like, it's one of those belief systems that you can latch onto one side of it and apply it to everything. When really the reality is like, well, there are some people who are rich who are not good people. And there are some people who are rich who are great people. And there are some people who are poor who are not good people. And there are some people who are poor who are great people. Like the, that same storyline when applied to every, everything will obviously keep you from wanting to be a person who has money because you're associating people with money as bad people. But, um, but whenever we can like, pinpoint those beliefs and challenge them and be like, well, let me think about it. Do I know anyone who has money that is a really good person? we can start shifting that mindset around what it means for a person to have money. And just like we talked about doing some deep visioning, realigning our behaviors, like at a subconscious level, we'll see our, our um, behaviors realign towards that deep vision. Same thing. Whenever we notice our belief systems and we challenge them and we pivot them um, towards being open to the idea of money being a good thing, We'll notice our behaviors doing the same. We will think of ourselves as maybe I can be one of those people who makes more money than I make now and not be a bad person, you know?
0: Yes, absolutely. I think, too, just like having that awareness of sometimes when I have money, I see those um behaviors echoed and I see you know a mirror in front of me showing this is exactly what you didn't want but I feel like the main component of that is having the self-awareness and then not shifting into judgment but instead like you said looking to an idol or somebody who embodies the qualities and has the money and I think that is so important in just getting the subconscious mind to believe that it is something that we can achieve for ourselves. So there's definitely something that I wanted to talk to you about and have you share with all these people listening is let's talk about the numbers. And I recently saw one of your Instagram posts, and then we'll just get into that as a last little thing. And then I want to hear you talk about your series that you're offering to people. But I saw one of your Instagram posts about, um, how you are flying and on vacation and you share the numbers. Like I made 20,000 this year and here's how I did this. And I think that's so important to talk about because I've definitely been in that space where I'm like, oh, this is what I made this year. And like, what did I do with it? Um, But I I think that um, you can be that person for a lot of people. And I definitely look up to you in that way of like, it doesn't really matter how much you have. It's how you work with with, with what you have and the mindset Mm -hmm. that you're working with. So I would love to hear just like that little story that you shared on Instagram.
1: Yeah. So I think I, um, so whenever I brought up the numbers in that post, there was, I was like referencing a year of my life whenever I was making, um, $25,000 a year. And in that same year, I like moved to a new city, got a new job that paid a little bit more, but had to pay two rents for nine months and had to pay w- three rents for one of those nine months. It was like this crazy moment where I wanted to make a big move um and wasn't making a ton of money, but there was a very there was a big difference between saying like, "Well, I can't do it because I don't have enough money" to saying like, "I am going to do it and money's going to be the thing that's going to help me do it." <laughs> it was like it's my life isn't going to be determined by some idea of like I don't have enough. My life is going to be determined by like, how am I going to make this work with what I have? Um, and I think I was like, that year of my life was really important in making that shift, and it stayed with me. And even during that year, I, I saved money. I um, I didn't like, I was not um, spending all of it. I like, I still valued saving. And so, that, fast forward this year, um, you know, I took a temporary job to manage a campaign. And I knew it was going to have an end date. I knew there wasn't going to be like a job waiting for me afterwards. And so but I wanted to do that work. And so I said yes to it. And I saved a lot during it, saved a lot before it, had saved a lot since making way less than um, that in the past. And because of that, um, the two and a half months afterwards, um, I got to enjoy them, you know, I I traveled, I took time to myself, I didn't jump into the next first job that came up, I um, saw friends all over the country, and enjoyed the holidays, and, you know, even during that time, my car got totaled, and I bought a new car, and, like, I did not stress about it, and that is not a testament to, like, the income that i've made throughout my life it's a testament to like my ability to have saved no matter what so that transitional times like that don't have to stress me out they don't have to kick me into my instinct brain where i just like take the first job offered to me and um you know i'm just like grasping at at the next you know next branch um those because of like that relationship with money that i've built that really values resiliency and values, um, security to some extent for me, everyone's relationship is different, but, um, I really value the idea of like, if I am ever unemployed, it is not going to be the most stressful thing in my life. Um, and so it was really affirming for me those last few months of, um, not having anything steady and, being able to acknowledge like yeah I planned for this and I get to enjoy it I don't have to be stressed about it and I don't have to feel guilty about it I am prepared for this exact moment and I'm going to lean into it and instead of you know uh, resist it
0: oh my god I want to just applaud you and I love what you said about being unwilling to live your life by not enough and that really hit home of you know, you can make it work. You just have to choose your big yes over your little yes. And thank exactly. you very much for saying that. So how can people work with you going forward? What kind of offerings do you have?
1: Yeah. So um, you mentioned my Instagram. It's Splendor Financial Wellness. Um that's where that's the best way to like keep up with everything that I'm doing. I'll have a website, slenderfinancialwellness.com. But the best way to tap into this work is actually through an ongoing series that I do called the flourish series. It's a five week program. It's a conference call series um, and it caps out at six people per series. So um, basically it's, you know, someone can sign up for it and register And then for five weeks in a row, we meet on a conference call at a set time for an hour. And all six participants have been given a prompt to think about throughout the week that has something to do with their relationship with money. Maybe it's like, what are your belief systems and where did they come from? Or what is that big, juicy, dreamy dream you want for yourself? Um, All of these prompts are different and focused around um, a different theme each week. So we get on the call together. We all share our reflections on those prompts. We, and we, you know, sign up with the acknowledgement that everybody's the expert on their own lives. We're not going to give each other advice or comment or offer like, Oh, why don't you try this instead? None of that happens. It is strictly a witnessing space, which I love. And is so beautiful um, because it lets everybody share their own experience. And so there's two things that are great about that. One, You can share your own experience, what your process is with each prompt without um, ever having to feel the need to defend it or ever having the need to feel like it's a performance. And the other great thing about that is you get to hear five other people candidly talk about money, which helps break up that taboo in such a big way. Like whenever you, one, have to learn how to articulate it, and two, have to practice listening to it, it just like opens up this whole secret world into something new that um, maybe offers perspectives you've never even thought about before. Um, Simply by it being a topic of conversation, that's okay to have. Um, But that series is called the flourish series. Again, it's ongoing. Usually one is starting when the other's ending. Um, And yeah, there's more information about it on my website.
0: Awesome. And you have, they always sell out and you have a new one starting in March. Yeah. I do, yeah. So my February one is full, and it's starting uh, this week.
1: My January one ended last night. It was also full, and so I have one um, happening in March. There's two people signed up so far, so there's four spots left. Um, And yeah, I'd love to talk more with anyone about it who's interested.
0: Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to connect and share your wisdom on this topic that is really kind of tricky for a lot of entrepreneurs and people in the wellness industry. And I just think this is going to be really helpful for a lot of us listening today. So thank you very much for sharing this information and spending the time to talk to us. Thank you so much for having me. It was so good to talk with you, Michelle. Yes. Bye, Molly. Bye. For listening to this super enlightening episode, and I am so grateful that you took the time out of your day to absorb this information. If, if you found some value in this content, if you loved listening and want to share it with a friend, send this link to a friend. Go ahead and Write a review, click the five star rating and let me know what you think about this very special episode with my friend Molly Richard. Thank you so much to my production manager, Kyle Piper. His email will be in the show notes as well as all of the information to connect with Molly and to sign up for her Flourish series. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week.